Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, Suffering for Doing Good, Part 2. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please note, last week was a very difficult week for us. Our pet dog of 22 years of age finally had to be put down since he would no longer eat food or drink water. It was a difficult goodbye for us. Our eight-year-old girl dog brings us some joy in her unique way with her very different personality. At the same time this happened, my main computer for publishing this podcast suffered a hard drive failure. This meant having to reinstall our computer operating system from scratch on a spare but very small hard drive. I also ordered another one. I then installed the new hard drive, reinstalled our computer operating system again, and spent this past week dialing it in and personalizing it. While these two things were going on, our vacuum cleaner of about 25 years also died and repair is not possible. We then had to find a replacement for it. So, it has been very busy and hectic here over the previous week and a half. My apologies if last week's episode was not to the level of quality I normally aspire to. Welcome to our extended summer series titled, What We Need to Know or Reaffirm. Our summer series is sourced in First and Second Peter. Last week, in our episode titled, Suffering for Doing Good, Part 1, October 10th, we examined 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 9. The total verse range is 8 through 17. We found many things that stand out in just the two verses, 8 and 9. We noticed, too, that Peter said he is speaking to all of you. Obviously, not everyone in that present world, but to all that were able to hear him at that time. That means all who were, in that day, saved in Christ, and those who may not have been saved. He is mostly addressing the then Christian populace, based on how his writings read. Verse 8 opened with telling them, and us today, to be harmonious, sympathetic, affectionate, compassionate, and humble. We also found that being humble exhibits a form of courtesy that is a form of behavior toward others that shows respect mixed with love. This week, Scripture reads, For the one who wants to love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from uttering deceit. And he must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. 
For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the Lord's face is against those who do evil. For who is going to harm you if you are devoted to what is good? But in fact, if you happen to suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. But do not be terrified of them or be shaken. In verses 10 through 12, Peter is quoting Psalms chapter 34, verses 12 through 16, which reads, Do you want to really live? Would you love to live a long, happy life? Then make sure you don't speak evil words or use deceptive speech. Turn away from evil and do what is right. Strive for peace and promote it. The Lord pays attention to the godly and hears their cry for help. But the Lord opposes evildoers and wipes out all memory of them from the earth. Unlike Peter, this passage in Psalms opens with two questions. Do you want to really live? Would you love to live a long, happy life? The answer to both those questions is immediately found in Psalms chapter 34, verses 13 through 16, and 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. So, the question is, what is Peter telling us by quoting Psalms? Peter and the psalmist both are telling us three things. One, for the one who wants to love life, and see good days, must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from uttering deceit. 2. And he must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. 3. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the Lord's face is against those who do evil. Let us examine these three items one at a time. 1. For the one who wants to love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from uttering deceit. Let us dig a bit deeper to see just what Peter is telling us, as this seems a bit obvious. Before we start, though, the word errorist is used in our deeper look here. It means a simple past tense, especially in ancient Greek. That does not imply continuance or momentariness. From the Free Dictionary by Farlex. Now, quoting. This is a quotation from Psalms chapter 34, verses 12 through 16, as it stands in the Septuagint. Only the aorist of the imperative is changed from the second person into the third person, as he is here directed. 1. He must refrain from evil speaking, lying, and slandering. 2. He must avoid flattery and fair speeches, which cover hypocritical or wicked intentions. 3. He must avoid evil, keep going away from evil. 4. He must do good, he must walk in the way of righteousness. 5. 
he must live peaceably with all men, seek peace where it has been lost, restore it where it has been broken, and pursue it where it seems to be flying away. He who lives thus must live happy in himself, and as excess in action and passion always tends to the shortening of life, and nothing preys on the constitution more than disorderly passions, he must live not only happiest but longest who avoids them. From Adam Clark's 1810-1825 Commentary and Critical Notes on the Bible. Let him refrain his tongue from evil. To refrain the tongue from evil is to avoid all slander, falsehood, obscenity, and profaneness, and to abstain from uttering erroneous and false opinions and his lips that they speak no guile, no deceit, nothing that will lead others astray. From Barnes' New Testament Notes Adam Clark gave us five broad thoughts. Barnes is a bit more direct. Let us look at the five comments that Adam Clark made. We will look at them one at a time as a subset of item one. Please note that Adam Clark has a form of he that is more respective in his day as meaning both men and women. So I will replace he with men and women to more accurately reflect the times we all live in today. 1. Men and women must refrain from evil speaking, lying, and slandering. That says it all right there for the first observation. Yet, how many people who call themselves a born-again Christian in Christ at the very least lie at work, to their spouse, and to others as well? If things get contentious, some people speak evil. They even slander others, even to their own benefit, if the incriminating talk has no basis in truth except by perception. This is why we are greatly encouraged to refrain from evil speaking, lying, and slandering in our actions that may speak this way as well. 2. Men and women must avoid flattery and fair speeches which cover hypocritical or wicked intentions. Flattery and fair speeches sound really great and pump up a person's ego. Yet, it is only verbal fluff in order to, for the flatterer or one of fair speech, to find a nice way of getting what they really want from the person who is the object. That person who is the object of flattery, fair speech, or maybe today, a combination of both is made to feel really good about giving up something they may otherwise not give up. 3. He or she must avoid evil, keep going away from evil. Today, we might call this simple behavior. I do see, however, a deeper level that makes many sins that would otherwise be simply a wrong thing in some people's minds more is evil. 
Yes, there does seem to the human mind that there is sin and there is evil. In many respects, this really is true. However, there are sins that are evil sins, leastwise in the human mind where we allocate degrees of what we are observing. Meaning, a lesser degree of sin is simply sin or a bad thing. A high degree of sin is evil. Yet, the Bible regards all sins as sin, and all of it is evil regardless of measured degree by any man or woman. So, the real question is, do we take the biblical hard line here, or do we differentiate by degree of sin? For instance, we may consider a lie to someone a mere sin while harming someone physically to be an evil sin. 4. Men and women must do good. They must walk in the way of righteousness. That is definite. One must do good. One must also walk in the way of righteousness. There is no wiggle room there at all. It would also seem that if we do good and walk righteously, then items 1 through 3 would be a lot easier for us to accomplish than we otherwise presently do. 5. Men and women must live peaceably with all men and women, seek peace where it has been lost, restore it where it has been broken, and pursue it where it seems to be flying away. We must live peaceably with all men, meaning men and women, whether saved in Christ or not. We do this by seeking peace where it has been lost, restoring it where it has been broken, and pursuing it where it seems to be flying away. That is probably the tallest task we humans, even saved in Christ, will have to accomplish to the result required in this commentary text and the biblical passage. Yet, it is biblical, and all of this can be found in your Bible. The question now, how do we do this better? How do we do this if we are newly saved and need to change? I think even if basic in nature, we all have some understanding of how to answer those questions. 2. And we must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. 3. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are upon their prayer. But the Lord's face is against those who do evil. I think these two items were also covered in the above. So, moving forward. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the Lord's face is against those who do evil. This word face, after the manner of the Hebrews, is taken for anger. From Geneva Bible Translation Notes. With that understanding, 
let us reread this scripture with the word meaning inserted instead of the word face. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are upon their prayer. But the Lord's anger is against those who do evil. Whether face or, more to today's wording, anger, neither is good. If God's face or his anger is against those who do evil, the end result is not remotely good. The Lord's eyes are ever over them for good, ears unto their prayers, face against. The eyes imply favorable regard, the face of the Lord upon, not as the English version against, them that do evil, implies that he narrowly observes them, so as not to let them really and lastingly hurt his people. From Robert Jameson, A. R. Fawcett, and David Brown Commentary, Critical and Explanatory on the Whole Bible, 1871. There is a better description of what is really happening when God's face or anger is against those who are sinners. The reason? So as not to let them really and lastingly hurt his people. God's people are his people. The confession of a Christian's faith cannot credibly be supported but by the two means here specified, a good conscience and a good conversation. Conscience is good when it does its office well when it is kept pure and uncorrupt, and clear from guilt, then it will justify you, though men accuse you. A good conversation in Christ is a holy life, according to the doctrine and example of Christ. Look well to your conscience and to your conversation, and then, though men speak evil of you and falsely accuse you as evildoers, you will clear yourselves and bring them to shame. Perhaps you may think it hard to suffer for well-doing, for keeping a good conscience and a good conversation. But be not discouraged, for it is better for you, though worse for your enemies, that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Learn 1. The most conscientious persons cannot escape the censures and slanders of evil men. They will speak evil of them, as of evil doers, and charge them with crimes which their very souls abhor. Christ and his apostles were so used. 2. A good conscience and a good conversation are the best means to secure a good name. These give a solid reputation and a lasting one. 3. False accusation generally turns to the accuser's shame by discovering at last the accuser's indiscretion, injustice, falsehood, and uncharitableness. 4. It is sometimes the will of God that good people should suffer for well-doing, for their honesty, and for their faith. 5. As well-doing sometimes exposes a good man to suffering, so evil doing will not exempt an evil man from it. 
The apostle supposes here that a man may suffer for both. If the suffering of good people for well-doing be so severe, what will the suffering of wicked people be for evil-doing? It is a sad condition which that person is in upon whom sin and suffering meet together at the same time. Sin makes suffering to be extreme, unprofitable, comfortless, and destructive. From Matthew Henry's Complete Commentary on the Whole Bible, Public Domain. That whole portion of commentary is very important to us. It also ended with a great understanding we all need to have. Matthew Henry said, As well-doing sometimes exposes a good man to suffering, so evil-doing will not exempt an evil man from it. The apostle supposes here that a man may suffer for both. If the sufferings of good people for well-doing be so severe, what will the sufferings of wicked people be for evil-doing? It is a sad condition which that person is in upon whom sin and suffering meet together at the same time. Sin makes sufferings to be extreme, unprofitable, comfortless, and destructive. Notice first and foremost, a good person, a godly person, is sometimes exposed to suffering. Evil doers will not be exempt either. So, it needs to be very clear here that good people sometimes suffer in ways that people today, many of God's children, think that one should not suffer as privileged by birth in Christ. Yet, we see here, this is untrue no matter how well it may sit with some who think they should be better privileged due to their sanctification in Christ. We then read this question in Matthew Henry. If the sufferings of good people for well-doing be so severe, what will the sufferings of wicked people be for evil-doing? It is not an assumption that evil-doers will be on an equal plane as those who are saved in Christ. Until an evildoer is saved in Christ, he or she must pay for the evil and crimes they commit. Quote, it is a sad condition which that person is in upon whom sin and suffering meet together at the same time. Sin makes suffering to be extreme, unprofitable, comfortless, and destructive. Unquote. Next week, our episode is titled, Suffering for Doing Good, Part 3. We will examine First Peter to understand why one has to suffer for doing good. That seems to be a conflicting statement. Next week, we will continue to sort this out. Play or download next week's episode from one of our podcast hosts or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. 
All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation free version. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, our vision, our ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. If you would rather search for us, please use the search phrase, Church of the Un, insert dash symbol, Churched, to find us on a podcast platform you like. Note, please use the dash symbol and not the word dash when you search for us. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Now, may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.